Hey guys, welcome to Array of Hope Candid, where we get real about all things. Today we have an awesome topic. I'm surrounded by two gentlemen who are very talented in media, music. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I know you weren't expecting those compliments, no. but here they are. <laughs> I thought we were here just to show how to wear a hat forwards <laughs> and backwards. <laughs> Yes, check out two ways to wear our Ray of Hope yeah. hat if you're watching the video. Yeah, these are the two ways. You can go sideways, but you know. yeah, yeah, we'll keep it clean. It's a little yeah. bit of an 80s That's look. It's a little too crazy. <laughs> but both uh, Ryan and Jack are well-versed in media, music, in the arts, and film. And so today we wanted to talk about music, media, the culture, and how feeding ourselves with or what we what we look at and mm-hmm. what we view and how it affects ourselves and our view of life. So I think mm-hmm. that's basically mm-hmm. what we're going to get down to today. So I don't know. I don't know, gents. you want to add anything to that? Well, I guess, well, let's just dive right into it. Sure. I mean, we have this Oscar Wilde quote here. Did, did you yeah. find this, Mariama? I did. Yeah, I yeah. didn't know who said it, but I, I've heard it. You hear it mm. over and over oh, again, right? Yeah. I was right? going to be like, who, who's Oscar Wilde? <laughs> oh, uh, well, he was, uh, you know, <laughs> famous a poet. wild guy. He uh, was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's uh, it's an interesting quote. I feel like everyone, obviously, if you're breathing, you've heard this quote before. <laughs> uh, life imitates art more than art imitates life, and uh, it's it's interesting. I almost feel like that's just not true anymore. Mm. Uh, anymore? Anymore? Maybe I don't know. Maybe when he he was writing that thought down. You know, the Oscars recently, Will Smith said, to excuse his uh, assault, um, he said, uh, <laughs> you know, life imitates art. And it, comparing it to this quote, it's, I, I think the way that film and media has moved in the last like 10 years um, is that just art imitates art. Mm. I think that mm. life has been kind of taken out of the arts a little mm. bit um, mm. because it's not really about... Um, the human condition anymore. Yeah, it's about yeah. Um, money. Like obviously, sure, you sure. you want to be paid for your work. With that, there's nothing wrong with that. But just the way that uh, Hollywood has shifted, it's trying to make films that are based on other films, not mm. necessarily looking for a message. Mm. They kind of want to check yeah. off all their boxes, and there's a lot of boxes that they're <laughs> required to check off now these days. But True. it's like, okay, Spider-Man did this, so we need to make a billion dollars, so let's do a remake of Spider-Man, but with somebody else and call it mm. uh, something else. And it's kind of superhero movies have kind of ruined everything a little bit. But, <laughs> Because That's they've set the precedent cake. that, it, hey, if we can make a billion dollars, let's yeah. not make a, a movie about uh, a family or yeah. you know something that's that's true art in a way. There's yeah. nothing wrong with entertainment. And I think right. Martin Scorsese had gotten into trouble with this recently when he was like, oh, yeah, Marvel films are not film. They're, they're uh, uh, amusement park rides. Huh. And he's like, that's, that's great. That's fun. Yeah. Um, but, you know we can't have everything be roller coasters because then you you push out other films out of the theaters that have yeah. something more to say. Yeah. Um, where, you know, these two writers that I was listening to, Chris Gore and uh, Andrew Clavin, they yeah. were talking about how there it has been this shift that people are just so focused on, like, even up-and-coming writers. I want to write the next uh, superhero movie. I want to write the next, you know, um, 
whatever you know the movie of the week is. Yeah. Um, so they don't look for their lived experiences, mm. and especially these days, we've been locked yeah. down for two years. Well, we haven't been locked down, but it's felt like it. Yeah. And sure. no one's really like. There's a sense of no one really living anymore, and and mm-hmm. we have haven't been able to really go out. But sure. that, it's it's been going on longer than the pandemic. This sense of like isolation. And social media as our means of connection, yep. and then looking for a way to, um, I don't know, victimize yourself for the sake of creating art <laughs> instead yeah. of going out and yeah. traveling. Or, you know, if you have a lot of heartache in your life that doesn't make you an artist, you know, you still have to be able to put right. that into words or into a right. painting or whatever. Yeah. But there's a lost uh, art is lost in the sense that no one is really taking into account the human story. They're kind of mm. looking for the, the bottom line. And, and how so to, interesting. Yeah, put that. I thought that was an interesting point yeah. that they posed. Well, I guess if if art is imitating art, it, then it, it's almost just like I mean, maybe to just reiterate what you said, it's just degrading itself. Because how I see it is that is that art does imitate life essentially. You know what what came first, the chicken or the egg? Okay, well doesn't matter. The creator came first. Mm-hmm. The painter came first. What came first? The you know the 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 paint or the painting the painter came first and so god's the creator and so he gives us this life that all of a sudden we want to express it in a way that uh that other people can relate to it's just like arts and just another way to to relate to to people um i think that speaks even more to potentially the truth that that art does imitate life but Movies and, and, and stories and, and novels, especially the good ones, right? They're all sort of based off of this archetypal idea of existence, which is essentially the struggle of life. And I think if you don't focus on lived experiences, like you were saying, Ryan, all of a sudden you're just, yeah, it's just, it's just degrading itself. It's just becoming more and more fake in a way. Right, and the way they make it, like, you know, we've seen the same movies a zillion times. Like, every yeah, yeah. story structurally exactly. has been told. You know, yeah. it's kind of like music. There's only so many notes. You're, yeah. Every song yeah. is like a ripoff of another song. Yeah, yeah. But there's just some minor changes that mm-hmm. make it something new. Um, and, you, yeah. know, you know. Yeah, that's personal. Right. It's like the personal thing that makes it new. And if it's if it's not coming from like a an authentic lived experience mm-hmm. then it's then it's it, i don't think it's going to translate to the end listener right right well then it's just merely for entertainment for you to sit and stare at a screen for 2 hours yeah. and absorb probably not good content for yourself and then leave and then you go out into the real world i had this real beef at the beginning of covid i loved this is us any of you who've watched this is us oh so my, my fiance did yeah, 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 yeah. I, didn't, I didn't watch and okay. it she loved the first season but i loved, didn't like the second interesting i hmm. liked i followed the story i loved it was it was captivating because you followed the characters you started to relate to their stories right each and every one of them have their own stories their own pains and like they're human right and and all of us experience them to some extent um however they got into right we we shut down with covid and then the latest season was in covid oh yeah (laughs) it was not only in covid but it was they were experiencing the same social problems, yep. socio-cultural problems right. that we were. And I, I didn't want to live it twice. Mm. I'm already living it in the real life. So I think there's some 
some part of entertainment that is supposed to transcend reality and take us out of that. Sure. And and but dig into something deeper and not just be like a surface level like we're here in the moment, you know, in COVID, let's experience lockdown like by watching how these people experience lockdown. We're already stressed out. Our right. bodies are already experiencing cortisol just at the thought of the, the word quarantine. I'd like to remove that from the dictionary pretty soon. Yeah. Uh quarantine, you know, COVID could leave as well. Many other things yeah. could leave as well. Please. Um <laughs> But, yeah, I found that, like, art imitated life a little too much, specifically with This Is Us. And I think we're seeing this also with other hmm. new things, right? They just redid the new Fresh Prince of Bel-Air to make it really dark. I'm like, why are we ruining such a good mm-hmm. 80s, early 90s feel-good thing um, to to make it harsh and, like, hardened? and Because uh, there are good lessons from the Fresh Prince, the original mm. uh, Fresh Prince Um like he has a moment with his his father. He his father abandoned him as a child. He didn't have a father in his life, and then his father came back into his life, and he had this real moment. In fact, Will Smith himself talked about that scene that it was like basically unscripted the emotion that he had because his father oh, wow. it, it touched real wow. life for him. His own father had uh, he had very similar uh, situations with his real father, and so what you're seeing is is life imitate art and art imitate life in real time. Wow. And people can relate to that though, like in our own lives. Right. Whether you have a father or not, we can see that emotion. We can feel it because all of us have these tangled webs of relationships with others. If we weren't abandoned by our father, it's some other feeling that it taps into. We don't need to make everything overtly painful and struggle and mm. victim to evoke emotion. It can be beautiful and lighthearted at the same time. Well, I, I guess that uh, now that I'm thinking uh, about what you're saying, I, I, m- I might stand corrected because it's almost like it's almost like music in a way is a science and an art. But if you lean too far in either direction, you know, you kind of lose the the sole purpose of the song. If if you're too mm-hmm. focused on like overproducing and like making sure everything is like sounding perfect, mm-hmm. then it loses the artistic quality. But then if you lose, mm-hmm. if you focus too much on the art, you know, and not on the technicalities of, let's say, you know, for me as a as an audio mixer, mm-hmm. making it sound good to a certain standard, right. then you then you also you're you're losing in that sense. So I think, yeah, maybe maybe I stand corrected. Maybe it's a little bit of both. Art has to so. art has to imitate life to a certain degree because I mean th- we have to have something to relate to that yeah. you know in terms of this existence which is of course burdened with suffering it's it's just a, yeah. a fact but then also mm-hmm. uh life has to imitate art because there's there's a perfection and a beauty mm-hmm. that can be inherent within art and yeah. so it's it's I think it's it's noble to sort of try and strive for that and bring that into existence mm-hmm. yeah I think I think art stops being art especially these days, when you're making surface level changes to a story. Mm-hmm. When you're like, let's copy this other show, but let's make the lead a woman. And that's all we need to do. That's surface level. We're not going to yeah. change. We're not going to be smart about the writing. We're not going to make this character deeper. We're just going to change their, we're just going to make them a woman or we're going to make them a man or we're going to make them whatever. Surface level changes and they think that that's enough and then they can just copy and paste and put it back out. Mm-hmm. And with the Will's, with the Bel Air show, it's like, what if we just made it dark? And yeah. And the funny thing about, the original Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was, yeah, it was super funny, but it was able to hit these really emotional, these downbeats. But yeah. there was the element of hope and like mm-hmm. that there was yeah. something 
uh, beyond the struggle. Mm. Mm. Yeah, of course. Whereas, you know, this new show is just like, oh, America's terrible and it's dark and like, isn't it, shouldn't we just look? It's not, that's so easy to write that. Yeah. It's so easy to write, yeah. this is us. What mm -hmm. do we do for season four? Let's just make it COVID. Yeah. And then we don't have to do a thing because then we limit where our characters can go. Yeah. We can limit what our characters can do. And it it's them as an excuse for not thinking up anything smart. They have no idea. And every mm. show runs into this. You'll, you'll yeah. see like, you know, season three, season four, they're like, well, let's just kill somebody off. Towards because, the tail end. Yeah, because we have no idea what to do anymore. It's like, you should have ended at season two or yeah. something like that. They run out of ideas. It was like, like Game of Thrones. Like, yeah. they, it just, it just... They had everybody no hated the ending. Well, also and not the, everybody, but I I didn't particularly. That's like a it. good example because they ran out of source material. Mm -hmm. So like you mm -hmm. give such praise to these artists, and you're like, oh my god, look at the show they created, and they did do an amazing oh, job. Oh yeah, the production. And and to adapt something from its original sources is a really difficult thing to do. But once the books ran out, you can see once they started deviating from, mm -hmm. uh, you know. George R. R. Martin's works, it yeah. just, the show was just yeah. terrible. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's, it's, it's horrendous. <laughs> they were rushing it. So, exactly. Yeah. Well, I, sorry. So, I have a, a point ahead, about yeah. beauty, because I think yeah, you yeah. touched on it and you were touching on it as well, is that art is meant to like lift us, ascend us to be like something higher transcend us outside of yeah, ourselves, amen. right? Yeah, like yeah. like I was saying, This Is Us became super annoying when it like lim literally imitated real life in the moment. Like it needed to take me out of that because life was overwhelming. And I think we can see a beautiful piece of art. I personally love Degas because I'm a dancer. And so he painted a lot of dancers. Um, and I actually took AP art. That's how I know Degas. I'm not just like naturally smart when it comes <laughs> to art. <laughs> um, if we are made by God, and all things mm -hmm. point us to one of two ends, mm -hmm. closer to God or further away from God. Then as yeah. Christians, we believe all things that we consume, especially art, should draw us towards God. Mm. Therefore, all art should lift us towards God. That's right. I mean, you go to Rome and mm -hmm. you look up to, well, this is, okay, this is also my beef. This is a spicy take, everyone. With all these chapels in America that are stripped of all beauty, they're just like, they look like houses. They're like all wooden and dark. Oh, sure, and, sure. Yeah. But you go to the cathedrals in Rome, the Duomos, all the art is on the ceilings. First off, Michelangelo must have been very disfigured. But also, like, you, you're drawn towards the ceiling yeah. to look up, up outside of yourselves, and you feel so small. That is one thing that you recognize when you go into the Sistine Chapel or anywhere else. You feel so small because you are. We are. We are small yeah. people because God is infinite and we are so small. We are very finite, but it inspires us to look at beauty because God is also beautiful, right? The statue of David invokes like this, this like awe at like how marble can look like, like you can see his veins, right? Like yeah. it just invokes like this, how is this possible? It takes you out of yourself and takes you to something higher. And that should be the end of all art. And I studied <laughs> dance in college. And what I realized when you take beauty out of art, when you take rules out of art, because there's objective beauty, um, then you can just do anything. So um, I won't divulge where I went to the to school. But um, when I did my final dance piece, I could have just made it up in the spot and just moved anywhere. And everyone, <laughs> they would have been like... <clears throat> That is that is amazing emotive work. Why? Because anything is movement now. Because performance, anything is performance yeah. art. They would consider this right now performance art. 
like standing still is performance art. Wow. But because you take the rules Slouching. out of dance. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Right. I honestly think you, you should be in a ballet company. Yeah, um, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like when you take modern um, dance and mm. stuff and you just like strip ballet of any movement, there is beauty in modern dance, but also it can go to the extreme end when you remove all beauty, all rules, all stru- structure from it. Like you're talking with music. You need a little bit of both. You need some structure. You need some emotion. Yeah. And and that's where humanity and divinity meet. Ah, beautiful. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. So um, here's another question for you guys, uh, maybe to, to to wrap things up here. What are some of the most beautiful works that you have seen or heard in terms of films, uh, music, or uh, literature? Hmm. Um, I'll have to think about it. Mm-hmm. But just to touch on the David again, when I was in college, um, I actually studied in Florence for a semester. Mm. And um, we went to, and this is clearly, so like take this with a grain of salt because I can't even remember the name of the museum. <laughs> it's behind the Duomo. You know the that museum that's there? I don't know. No. It has a bunch I of, never went to has Florence. has a bunch of art okay. and statues in there. <laughs> oh, wait. Uh, it's where, it's in, where the in David Florence? is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Florence. yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I, why can't I remember what it is? Uh, the, yeah, the, the, um, Uffizi? I think it is. <laughs> Eves, we need you. <laughs> uh, fact check. Uh, I don't know what it's called. But we, our teacher wanted us to like kind of study the layout of where the David was placed. And we went in, and, and if you see it, it's a long uh, hallway that leads to the David, and there's you know a skylight over it, and then it jets out uh, left and right. And it's pretty mm-hmm. much structured just, even though it's a museum, just like a uh, a cathedral would be, mm-hmm. that your eyes are fixed. You know, you have the long uh, stretch towards the altar, altar, yeah. which is where the statue is, and then you have light coming in from all kind of sides. And there's, mm. you know, and I don't know if it's just that that's the power of the beauty in art and true art, uh, like the kind mm. of the reverence. Yeah. No mm. one's like, you know, eating cheese puffs, you know, <laughs> and uh, talking. Everyone's kind of, everyone gets it. Yeah. And they're quiet, and it does kind of like humble you mm. that someone could do this and and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and I'm not a big uh, art fan, but it is just amazing to see um, and feel the impact mm-hmm. in person when you see something like that, and it kind of shuts people up. Yeah, and you go like, yeah. oh, okay, I get it. I get why he did that, and yeah, and what its purpose is. Yeah, people, people. It's amazing how how far people will travel just to see one little work of art that, like a Mona Lisa, that mm-hmm. I, I've heard, I've never seen it, but that it is small. Mm-hmm. Um, but but uh, so, some of my favorite works that I've seen uh, or and heard, uh, Beethoven's Eroica, his his third mm-hmm. symphony, which okay. he he originally wrote for Napoleon, but after Napoleon took power, he he was like, nah, you know, it's just for everyone. Just yeah, it's for everyone. yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's meant, just for everyone. Uh, somebody else. Wonderful though. I saw I saw it mm-hmm. live uh, in mm-hmm. in Vienna. Um, I love uh, the movie Frank Capra's movie. It's a Wonderful Life. I think that mm-hmm. is like real, man. You know that that uh, and the wit and the humor in there is is unbelievable. And then maybe to touch on a, a piece of literature, I love CS. I love CS Lewis. You guys know I love CS CS Lewis. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Great Divorce is a great a great piece of writing, uh, which uh, kind of gives his sort of uh, writer's view of <clears throat> of what heaven may look like. Really beautiful. I know a lot yeah. of priests, a lot of Catholic priests love that book. Mm. They love it. Father Longenecker loves that one. Yeah. My, my own pastor at home loves it. So Yeah, awesome. Well, I have some things as well. I I like all different types of art. I, I paint a little bit. I love Degas, but I but oh, I when it painting. comes to yeah, really cool. I did I have a little tile in my art 
uh, my high school art room that my aunt just sent me a picture of. Oh, cool. I redid a, a Degas painting. Um, but um, I love looking at and meditating with, because all things point to God, right? Um, if uh, All art should. And if it, if it doesn't evoke any inspiration to the divine, then throw it out. That's my advice. But yeah, yeah. Um, I love to look at uh, Rembrandt's painting of the prodigal son Mm, um it's mm -hmm. so interesting because every painter puts jesus and or like any stories in this in scripture in their time period so they're all dressed in the time period that and the place in which rembrandt was from but anyway the cool thing about art with rules is that there's meaning to everything there's meaning to the reason why the statue of david and where it is and how it's placed and Mm. how the lights are is because it's all there's there's a, a method to it and it's like there's a point to it. And same with Rembrandt. Like there are some people in the shadows that like there are some characters in the forefront. There are some things that you notice, like you can spend hours looking at sacred art and find different things that mean different things. Same with uh, icons, like the colors of our lady's mantle and Jesus's, uh, uh, robes all mean different things depending on where the icon comes from. So it's really cool. So anyway, Rembrandt's um, Prodigal Son. I'm not very well read, but some books that really um, capture me are actually autobiographies or stories of people's lives. So we actually had Immaculate Illabagiza in the office oh, yeah. a while ago, and she is an amazing witness to joy um, If you've ever met her, yeah, she's like just a living saint. But she has a very tragic story that happened to her in her early life where almost every person in her family except for one brother was killed mm-hmm. um, in the Rwandan genocide. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has a story, a book called Left to Tell. And it's about her story about being hiding for three months in a bathroom with seven other people, I believe, in a very small bathroom and hearing people outside the door saying they wanted to kill her. That book changed my life, um, mm. changed my perspective of forgiveness and changed my perspective of prayer. She talks about in the book how she would skip over parts of the Our Father, right? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass mm-hmm. against us because she didn't mean it. And then it made me think about the words that we say and the words that we consume and the words that we uh, yeah, we hear. They have meaning, especially in prayer. So that was that's a book I would say uh, left to tell is is just yeah and it, and that's like our real lives are art like that's her life like our lives are full of suffering tragedy joy sorrow grief happiness like her life is a living masterpiece by God and it involves all of those things so I think autobiographies are just like some of the best mm. um, and then in terms of music I was talking to Jimmy uh, yesterday about music I love good lyrics and i was listening to this song on my way to work um lil wayne no it was not real lil g's wayne. moving silence like lasagna. in my former <laughs> life i loved rap music thank you jack for outing me i'm just you saying get me next episode <laughs> i'm just saying that she'll lil be wearing wayne, the backwards hat next time <laughs> he is really really clever okay right yeah. um Sorry. The, I mean, <laughs> the literally one of the next lyrics is woman of my dreams. I can't sleep, so I can't find her. I mean, think about it. Right. You are peanuts to an elephant. I'm I, I move through a <laughs> sentence like a subject and a predicate. Oh, I got a swag you can kill Sheesh. for. 
I mean, come on. I could go you forever. Just dance? I just, you could dance. If you want no, to show I up would the dancing rap, with this, but the I, I, just, <laughs> I just love Lil Wayne so much so that I had a wallet with his face on it. I don't think you understand. I will defend him forever. However, some of his music is ratchet, so I do not endorse listening to Lil Wayne. No. But I was listening to some like, um, I've moved because I had this conversion experience in college and I had to purge myself of a lot of things that I really was yeah. feeding myself that was not feeding my soul, was not pointing me towards God, but, but was pointing me away. And music is like one of those things that I had some notes here. I was looking up some studies on um, music and its effect on our emotions. Sad songs make you sad. Happy songs make you happy. I was mm. listening this weekend. I'm a. I'm very happy. My life is very good. However, I caught myself listening to Olivia Rodrigo. Okay, and she has that song "Good for You." And all of a sudden, I was so angry, and I was transformed to like or transported to like a middle school breakup. And I was like, "Good for you. You look happy and healthy. Yeah. Not me. You know, I'm like so angry." And so that's so true. Um, but uh, if I were to suggest some music that I think people should listen to, yeah. it's obviously stuff we produce here at Array of Hope lifts you up to God. Um, I was plug. we had an event the other day. Yeah, it's not it's a real plug though. I was at one of the events with uh, the band the other day, and just like the emotion behind Bree's voice and the lyrics, they all put you in a meditative space to like think about things outside of yourself. Um, but also there are some other secular songs. I was talking to Jimmy about Johnny Swim or mm-hmm. Penny and Sparrow, and they have this one song. It's called Goodbye Road. I think all of us should listen to it because it talks about, honestly, I think the song's about detachment, um, about detaching ourselves from things. And there's this one line that gets me every time. It says, uh, sometimes flowers grow in the soil of ashes. Pick them as you go down Goodbye Road. Because life is, right, we're all on a journey to heaven. We're all on a journey to death to our to our earthly life, death mm. to ourselves, hopefully, if we're Christians, to lead to the eternal. And that means there's sorrow and grief, happy and sad. And there are flowers that grow in the soil of ashes, the bad parts of our lives. There are good parts of every bad part of our life. And we have to just take the happy, the good with the bad as we walk towards heaven. Beautiful, so, beautiful. It's such a good song. You guys got to yeah. listen to it. So, so um... So uh, this is this has been a great conversation, yeah. guys. Uh, What's the power of art? You know, you don't want to get caught up in despair. Like you don't want to listen to, yeah. uh, you know, one song that just makes you angry. But that's the power of it, and why it's so important that it does bring you back to middle school. It does bring you back to where, whatever <laughs> yeah. these experiences. Yeah. I mean, it's a wonderful life. I'm not a hundred percent sure this is accurate, but I read that the scene where George Bailey is at the bar and he breaks down, and it's, it's yeah. like finally he he decides to to pray about yeah. his his crisis. Mm. That scene apparently he's actually he he actually broke down. Like at the mm. time, you know, he had when it was, was, I think really... it was his first movie coming back from the war. Oh. So he had this kind of, you know, PTSD wasn't really a thing uh back then or it just wasn't really understood, I Defined. guess. Defined. Yeah. Um and um it, he had this emotional experience in that scene and when he's kind real. of crying, it, it's kind of a real scene and that's yeah. like what is that's the power of art that. is yeah. like it's you're cathartic. Bringing, that is a lived experience that's something that's like it's not like oh yes yeah. thank yeah. thank god uh jimmy stewart <laughs> like has post-traumatic stress disorder because now our movie is really great yeah i mean truthfully the movie flopped and wasn't uh, popular for years mm. but um it isn't it just shows why it's important and it can be a healing device yeah, you, know, yeah. It, 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 you yeah. have a responsibility to um to bring goodness which is i think what uh mr rogers uh always talked about <laughs> with his show like you yeah. have such an opportunity yeah. Um, to have so many viewers and eyes on you. And then as consumers, we as consumers of art have a responsibility 
to guard our hearts and our eyes from stuff that will turn us away from God. I think that we need to we need to take stock every time we consume art, take stock of our feelings, what it's doing. Some people can listen to like rage heavy metal and it makes them feel better. Some of us it makes us want to like hurt somebody. Like you need to really like take inventory of yourselves mm. whenever you're consuming something and consume good things because we are uh, easily persuaded by the art and the media in which we take. Yeah, I think you had a, you had a quote here um, from Fulton Sheen. Uh, we become like that which we love. If we love what is base, we become base. But if we love what is noble, we become noble. And another one you added here, when the will loves anything that is below it in dignity, it degrades itself. So let us take inventory, as you said, Mariama. That's right. And um, Keep your souls beautiful by only consuming yeah. beautiful things because you are a work of art yourself. Amen. Well, we'll uh, we'll see you next time on A Reason for Hope Candid. Thank you so much for joining us. Let us know uh, in the comment section, if there is a comment section here, if you think life imitates art or art imitates beauty yeah. or life, rather. <laughs> and if you, if you want a hat, uh, let yeah. us know. You, yeah, want, you, you want one of these? You know where to go. The Array of Hope <laughs> one of these. store. <laughs> one of these. <laughs> one of these. You can wear it what any way those? you want. <laughs> Once you buy yeah. it, you do with it what you will. Yeah. You want it? We got it. Rally caps, rally caps. Let's keep talking. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Well, this is devolving quickly. I'll be the voice of reason here. Thank you guys for joining us for another episode of A Reason for Hope Candid. We can't wait to talk to you again soon. Hey, everybody. We got some exciting news. We have a whole new Array of Hope app and channel, a video destination where everyone can find meaningful and inspiring videos and resources to help bring them closer to God. This is available on your desktop, Roku, Apple TV, iPhones, and Android mobile phones and tablets. This channel has movies, short, faith-filled segments, live events, and programs. You've got to check it out. Sign up by going to watch.arrayofhope.net and then download the app at the App Store by just typing in Array of Hope. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of A Reason for Hope Candid. Next week's podcast episode features Mario Costabile's interview with Catholic priest Father Vincent Lampert, the designated exorcist of the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Indianapolis. This is a really substantive and gripping interview about how we can protect ourselves from demonic spiritual attacks. Father Lampert even recounts some of his experiences performing exorcisms. If you haven't already, be sure to follow our podcast so you're always in the loop for new releases. Also, make sure to follow Array of Hope on social media and check out our music. You can find all this information in the show notes for this episode. Thanks again so much for listening, and we'll be with you next week for our interview with Father Vincent Lampert titled, What's the Devil's Strategy? Until next time, peace be with you. <laughs>